we are recording. I don't have any type of an intro yet. Um, no problem. But hello, hello. Hello, hello. How are you? I am great. And I am Sarah, and you are listening to And What Did We Learn? And today my guest is the Lyricical. It's me. <laughs> Thanks for it, having me. It's you're awesome. welcome. Welcome, Larry back into the crazy things I make you do. I, a little backstory on Larry, um, he's Kyler's best friend. I don't know if you guys use those labels because you're boys. 100%. But, but um, definitely Kyler's best friend and also roommate of Kyler when he met me. And thanks to that, Larry was subjected to the full Sarah experience early willingly, on. Willingly, willingly, I might add. Which included forcing him to do a different podcast pilot, which I still want to do. And I'm not going to say the name because I don't want anyone stealing it. Um, <laughs> but we can make it happen. We can. Nowadays with audio sharing and everything. Uh, but anyway, uh, Larry has graciously agreed not only to help me create my opening music, uh, but be on an episode with me. And I gave him a choice of a couple shows. And I'm glad you chose The Innocence Files because... I, this is just so topical right now, and yes. obviously that's why it's on Netflix, which I think is a great thing. Um, I did on Facebook, they were like on Juneteenth, you know, you could do a, a fundraiser, and, and I did one for The Innocent Project, um, and that's how I found out about the show, because there was a link to it um, on the, on the money-making thing, whatever. Facebook sure. knows what it's doing. <laughs> that's a solid show. Yes, I, and it, I was going to say before I hit record, it functions to me a lot like a serialized podcast, yes. but with video, which I don't mind. Uh, it's just, I didn't know that going in. And so it, there were moments where it felt slow. And I was like, I don't understand why you're not getting to the next point. And right. it wasn't until like two or like three quarters of the way into the first episode, we watched the first two, three quarters of the way into the first episode that I was like, oh, this is a whole season story arc. Yes. Because there was a lot of repetition at, at first. Um, and I was getting frustrated. We'll get into it. But I was getting really frustrated with uh, all these men, most of them white, just sitting here in, two, in 2020 or 2019 when this was filmed, defending their actions, not even admitting that they made a mistake, even though like it's, it's, they let these guys out of jail because they made all these mistakes. But they're still like, yeah, no, I think we did the right thing. So, yeah, uh, especially the uh, the prosecuting attorney. Yeah, he was <gasps> not giving in. Oh, he was. He's awful. Forrest. Yes. yes, I have a lot of issues with Forrest. Also, something just this kind of weird. They reference Ted. Okay, they ref a lot, a whole lot of this show, and apparently the the following se rest of the season is going to be about bite mark evidence, right? Or or lack thereof, which will make sense in a minute. Um. I don't, I'm not an expert. <laughs> uh, I got led astray, it seems, right? That at the time yeah. of the Bundy case. Right, right, right. That's what I was saying. I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, yeah. what? I'm just staring at a bowl of lemons instead of thinking. Uh, it's okay. I can cut things out. Um, right. They use the Ted Bundy case, which is interesting because it's like, well, let's throw it to a true crime that like classic, you know, Ted Bundy. Yeah. And, and they don't get too far into it, which is great because Ted Bundy is kind of annoying, an annoying person. Mm -hmm. was RIP or not uh but he he was convicted and they say the the bite mark evidence is what really took him down right so that's what put it on the map I'd like to say there's a lot of things that took Ted Bundy down and he did end up confessing to a lot of murders 
basically, oh, that's right. I was going to tell you something that's really embarrassing. Um, so I open up this uh, episode to watch it and I read the synopsis, which I wrote down and I will share with you in the audience, which says, uh, dubious bite mark evidence and the controversial dentist, who and boy is he, presenting it, cement convictions in the murders of two Mississippi toddlers in the 90s. Larry, I don't know what I read, but when I read this, I my immediate thought was, toddlers? Convicted of what? <laughs> I was like, can you go to court for your child biting someone? Like, I just... Would make more sense for toddlers biting, you know, bite marks. This is them. how this is how my brain has been affected by the Honestly, nerve. Sarah, that would have made more sense than what they actually went up and convicted these guys. I know, for. I know. I had no idea the craziness we were going into. I thought I was the crazy one, but just that's just that's a that's a disclaimer. My brain is a little scrambled right now um, because of the medication I'm on and because of having the anesthesia, so and the vertigo. So. Moving on, I thought toddlers were going to be convicted, and I started watching the show. I was just like, okay, that's what's happening. Um, and I said, me literally five minutes in, oh my God, I'm the biggest moron, and I can't read. The toddlers were murdered, not convicted. <laughs> A little bit different, yeah. And it's not even funny because it's sad. So it is. As the episode opens, uh, it starts out, which I liked that they did this to frame it. It's because the Innocence Project does not play a big role in the first episode, but they introduce it at the beginning. Um, so we're at their headquarters and we kind of see like how inundated they are with cases and files. And it's just, it's bleak. It looks like just, okay, this is hopeless. You know, um, what do you think about that, Larry? Yeah. I mean, the, that was definitely the vibe they were trying to push is um, they get thousands upon thousands of letters and requests daily, it seems. And, yeah, they said they can only take on one percent of the cases they're sent. Yeah, yeah, which is a little startling, especially um, you know, I don't, I actually don't know what their success rate has been, um, in those one percent that they've taken. But I don't either, and that's a good question, and that's something to look up. I, I, I did. But not you know, that. even if it's fifty percent of that one percent, you still extrapolate that out, and you know, there's quite a, there's going to be a fair number, a not trivial number of people that are right. The fact of the matter is that there's so many cases being reviewed that one percent is actually a very big percentage. Very big number. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very big number, and that's a good point because looking at it, it just seems like why try? But right. like, if you said one percent of the world's population can, you know be cured of corona or whatever you'd be like yeah that's amazing so so that's that's good perspective thank you larry keeping me on my keeping me on keeping, my toes keeping you honest that's right to be honest <laughs> one of those phrases <laughs> okay so we're first introduced to peter newfeld and barry Sheck, who are the co-founders of the innocence project uh and basically they ex give a little explanation of how they formed this um, endeavor by saying that they were fatigued by how unreliable uh, and fucked up my words, not theirs, uh, the prison system and, and all of the methodologies within the system are. And I believe they meant getting to prison as well. Um, and he, uh, I believe it's Peter who does most of the talking here. He says, you know, the pseudoscientific methods they use for evaluating evidence and the way they treat, and they believe that it proves everything they wanted to. And Peter says, it's all junk. All of these methods that are being used, all of this, you know, pseudoscience and the way that these white men are imprisoning 
black men based on pretty much nothing. Um, it's junk, it's crap. And so they realized that they, they weren't going to be able to stop. I believe they were, they both worked as defense attorneys. At, at one yeah, point. I believe so. Yeah. And they, they were like, we can't stop it from this end. We have to get on the other end of it and like attack after those cases have gone through, which is smart. Makes yeah. It really, it reminded me of a, uh, of a good Mark Twain quote is that it ain't Ooh. what you don't know that, that gets you in trouble. It's what you know for sure. That just ain't so. So hmm. they were like, oh, we know for sure bite marks are the right. thing. Yeah. Yes. And that's well, even the title of the episode. Indeed. Yes. And that, that's what really set it in my mind with this quote. Yeah. Indeed. And without doubt. And they address that later. Like, what are you talking? That's not a thing in court. That's you never, you don't say that. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, that would be like me say, going to one of my clients and being like, I will cure your child's autism. Indeed. It's like, he, no one can say that. No one can promise that. That's just right. not. There's always other factors. There are always going to be other elements, but it really just shines a light on how insane this forensic odontologist is. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. West, I believe his name is Mike West and he is cuckoo bananas. Um, and we will meet him soon. But first uh, we start out with kind of just um, an in-depth look at the, one of the families that is affected by um these crimes that we're, that we're talking about, which unfortunately, um, trigger warning, these are crimes against children. And we're not going to focus on what was done to the children. We are, but we do have to state what the crime was. Um, so, you know, take that as you will, um, anyone who's listening. But we start out um, talking to Ashley, who's very well spoken. Um, and she's the oldest sister, the older sister of Courtney, who was the first victim that we're going to talk about. Um, and so we, we never talked to Patria, the youngest daughter. I'm not really sure why, but I'm assuming she didn't want to take part in this doc documentary about her sister's murder. Yeah, I kind um, of sense that um, the older sister was the only one who really witnessed what was going on. And even yes. she's probably too young to articulate it. Well, and she absolutely, she gets roped in by these, this quack doctor and all these, this team of um, not even policemen and coerced into saying, just parroting things that make it sound like yeah. she saw who took her sister. When in fact, she did not see who took her sister. She's just doing what kids do. They're answering, and then when their answers aren't accepted, they start imagining things and making them up because they don't have that hard line between real and imaginary yet. If they just haven't developed that, she's barely right. five. And especially when you're in a situation where you're stressed, you probably don't really understand what happened to your sister because you don't understand death. The, it, yeah. the inclination can be, okay, I'm just going to turn this into a game. And they took whatever weird thing she said out of it forced her to repeat a few things and made that the eyewitness testimony, which was laughable. Um, right. So we talk, we see Sonia as well, the mother of vic the victim, Courtney um, and Sonia. Okay. This whole family, like, okay, Larry, talk, tell me about this house. Tell me about this place where this, these three sisters and their mother lived. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, it's, it's not the, it's not the kind of upbringing I'm, I'm used to for sure. So um, it's, you know, a small house. I know, yeah. I know you're not judging. This is not with no, not judgment. judgment, but um, yeah, it's a small house. They're sharing, they're sharing a bed, they're sharing a bedroom. And it's um, quite dilapidated. I mean, the pictures they yeah. take, I, I assume are taken right after the crime. 
yeah. I know they revisit it over time, but they're, they, the pictures they take are at the time. And they you know, the photo is just really creepy. It, it looks like to me, it looked like, um, the way they would set up like a diorama in a museum of like how people lived in like 1902 or something, right. but this is 1992. Um, so it's just, it's just, made me sad that you know there are already what yeah, it's eye-opening that yeah. um you know to see kind of how other people of different socioeconomic come you know backgrounds live and, of, and people of color in mississippi i mean yeah, we'll get into that it's like the precedent of getting these black people incarcerated is there and actually started in 1902 but they act, they get into that in episode two so i can save it okay. um but anyways, so yeah, all three girls sleep in one bed. Um, I believe the mother sleeps with them as well, but mom's out uh, with a friend, which is like totally cool. Mom needs some time. She left her brother and her mother there with her kids. So like right. she did everything she could. I think because this home is just so dilapidated, it was really easy to spot and reach in and grab the first yeah, kid. It wasn't, it wasn't as secure as it probably could have been. Mm-hmm. And you Which know, is not, I'm not blaming the family because they clearly didn't have not. resources. But yeah, the opportunity was, was there um, if somebody which, chose. So. Yeah, which they, which they conveniently never acknowledge. And by they, I mean the prosecution never acknowledge as, yes. you know, a possible alternative to the theory that, um, let's see, that Sonia's ex-boyfriend, whose name is LaVon uh, LaVon Brooke. Basically, they know of him. They know she dated him. And they know he has an earring. Uh, so they question, after they do a manhunt and find nothing, they question Ashley, who's, again, the five-year-old, and they give her answers to pair it back to them. And then they take that as, as a, that, along with quote-unquote bite marks, that this uh, quack, um, Dr. West, compiles that's the evidence that's used to put Levon in jail. Right. Mind you, Ashley's five. Ashley never said Levon took her sister. All she did was repeat what they said when they told her to say the man had an earring. Yeah, it um, really, it really kind of gave them blinders because I know they had a lot, like a, a fairly large list of other right. suspects, but then they got blinders on and really sort of honed in on Levon, and mm-hmm. uh, fortunately, it kind of let. The true, the true crime kind of slipped through. So right, and I want to get into that too. I guess I'll just do it here because they bring it up in both episodes. But there's just such a heavy precedent of racism in Mississippi. I mean, not just in Mississippi, but it's mentioned many times by people who visit Mississippi to try and help within the Innocence Project that they feel like they're going back in time. Like it's just, it hasn't progressed. Um, and the pa- pastor Brown, who we meet later on, who is kind of, he, he's very flamboyant. He kind of looks like Jiminy Cricket to me. Um, he, he promotes the idea of intermixing cultures. And basically his, his comment is Mississippi has a long way to go. And he's of color, I should mention. Um, so then they get the background of the KKK and the precedent, it's precedent in Mississippi. Um, and just the fact that this state to, you know, even in the 90s and 2000s is one of the most segregated states, if not the most, even though segregation is supposedly illegal, that's just the way it pans out. And it seems like uh, any black 
person, especially black man, is up for grabs whenever there's an excuse to arrest somebody. And they even say when slavery was abolished, they, it was in, in Mississippi specifically, it was made a rule that black men in groups could be arrested because they made a law that like that was somehow disruptive or they were going to do something disruptive. So they used that excuse to arrest groups of black men, put them in jail, make them work and whip them. So basically they just turned them back into slaves. So they didn't do anything. So it's like, that's the mindset. It's like, got to get another black person in jail. And I don't really, and they don't care what they did because in, in, and by they, I mean, again, these racist people in charge aren't really concerned with whether they're guilty or not. They're just concerned with get, finding some way to get another, another person of color in jail because to a racist sociopath, that's all that matters. And, and the uh, Dr. West even goes on this tirade about how like, well, I just think maybe if you put a rapist in jail, he won't rape no more. And if you put murder in jail, he can't murder him no more. And I'm just thinking, what a funny coincidence that when you put him in jail, they can't murder no more. It's like, shut up. Like, you know, this is a guy who falsifies evidence, but he's a great example of the type of person that is uninterested in reality. Right. Yeah. Only, yeah. His viewpoint and um, he, he sees himself as correct. And right. And he keeps saying they need to pay attention to the truth. And I, I don't think he means it literally, but I think subconsciously he's saying they need to think they need to care most about incarcerating black people. Mm-hmm. That's what they should really care about. That's how I feel. That's what I care about. And to him, that's the truth. The truth is that all black people are bad and need to be in jail. And it's awful. Um, and he's just so creepy. And I, you, you can tell that they, feature him a lot just to show how outlandish and ridiculous he is. Cause I did feel like there was a lot of Dr. West in this first episode where I was just like, okay, I get it. We're just doing ring around the Rosie with white guys saying, well, we know we, you know, we did the best we could, um, which is not true. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so at one point he's just saying like, um, talking about it's later on but he's talking about how everybody needs to listen to him and he's, he says otherwise suck it up buttercup which i was like he did say that that was okay what is this person all right so sadly uh courtney's body is found in a pond a few days later and it's less than 100 feet from her home she has been sexually assaulted and appears to have been bitten um and the forensic odontologist uh he calls her infant black female, approximately three years old, raped, sodomized, strangled, dead, and she had injuries all over her body. Sorry, I know that's brutal. Moving past that now. Um, so the bite mark was on the wrist. So this is just so weird. So Dr. West, and again, this is 92. He brings in 12 male, black male subjects, mind you. None of them are white, uh, to give molds of their teeth. Um, so it's like a tooth lineup. But instead of comparing this quote unquote bite mark separately, you know, taking a print of it, like we're shown later, and then comparing it to the print that the bite mark makes, he starts putting these teeth in the body, which is, he's mutilating these bodies. And we find out that um, he's actually pushing the teeth in to make them match. So he's creating evidence and he's not solving anything. Yeah, definitely um, not the best way um, it's, it of demonstrating is it. It's very, very icky yeah it's really icky and it's also icky that this is all on video and we see him doing it and he's really proud and he just has this like 
psychopathy about him that it's just like I feel like he's trying like he, it just it wouldn't surprise me if he did weird stuff to the bodies is all I'm saying yeah no he definitely like you're saying he he I think he truly believes that he is correct um yes he's, I think misguided in his his methods and well it's narcissism you know he's up here it's like yeah, yeah, everything exactly. he, he can he has like you said he has those blinders he's got blinders on that's right which I just can't relate to at all but I guess that's why it fascinates me. All right. So, uh, I guess he, he talks about how biting is more common in sexual attacks. That's another of his theories. Um, he goes, they turn animalistic and I feel like he's talking about black men and it's really racist and I'm uncomfortable. Um, and the lead investigator, again, this, uh, not Forrest, but, um, I can't remember his name, but he is African-American. The, the investigator, uh, yeah, the lead detective, I think. Lead detective, the, yeah. He decides that Ashley is, and he's just very resigned. He's just like, I don't know, like he just didn't do his job, and now he's just very resigned. Like, yeah, well, I, I didn't do that, and I didn't I know that. Feeling he was just kind of going through the motions. Yes, yeah, um, and and at being a black officer, like, I wonder how much control he had. R- right. I mean, they definitely led. I think the first episode off with him sort of stating as such as, you know, he, you know, he didn't get a lot of opportunity coming right. out of the military. Yeah. Um, he's really just kind of there. Was, so, yeah. As a token, he's there. And, right. and I feel he, it seems, he just seems so defeated. Like he does not seem like a villain to me. He just seems very defeated. And like, this is the way things are. Like they've always been like this. Why would now, why would speaking up about it now make any difference? Right. That's been his life. So that's really sad. Um, but anyway, he determines or somebody determines, you know, it's said that he determines that Ashley's the best witness, Ashley being the five-year-old sister for the case. Um, and so in order to do this, this is the weirdest thing I've ever heard of, Larry. And I, <laughs> it's so upsetting. Uncle Bucky. Who's Uncle oh. Bucky? Yeah, where did he come from? <laughs> how, how is this pseudo-child psychologist creep on a television show called Uncle Bucky, where the setup is that Ashley goes to sit at this show and it's like a creepy like clown show. I don't know. He like draws pictures and makes um, uh, balloon art. Yeah. But, but like, okay, that's one thing. It's the 90s. There were a lot of wackadoodle shows in the 90s. I'll give you that. But then Uncle Bucky, this imposing weird man, um, spends time alone with this five-year-old who thinks he's just an entertainer. It's so, there's no parent there. There's no rights read to her. There's nothing. There's just Uncle Bucky, who I feel is very seedy. I just can't, I just can't get over how weird this is. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, it it definitely, um, it it definitely seemed weird. Um, and they show the show, they show her sitting there like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing after my sister died. Like, fun you know let's make balloon animals um and so he i'm sorry it's not just him it's him and a a detective uh or take her into a room she's five years old and they're very clearly feeding her answers um and this is not something that is new we see this a lot especially in like this this episode or this show has making a murderer vibes because it involves similar forms of corruption you know Except in making a murder, it was like, we hate white trash. And this one, it's like, we are just fucking racist as shit. So, um, 
it's on the audio recording we hear Uncle Bucky saying, for whatever reason, oh, did the person who took your sister, did he have anything in his ear? And she's like, that's a weird question. You know, her face is she like, I mean, not her face, but her voice hesitates. And she's like, uh, maybe a quarter, which you can tell is just a guess. Like, okay, in your right. ear, I guess a quarter, because people do that trick. Um, yes. Oh, and he says, oh, a quarter, like that earring over there? It's like, what the fuck? That's not, and she's like, yeah, because because she yeah. knows that she's supposed to say yes, because she has two intimidating men, and she's a little black girl, and these are two white men asking her questions that she doesn't know the answers to, and she just wants to please them because she's a child. Um, and he, so he decides that a quarter is an earring, and that's their evidence. It's like, oh, and the only person in this in this county with an earring is Levon. Um, right. So let's go get a mold of his teeth and smash it into a dead body. Like it's just, it's so horrific. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's really the gist of it too. Is that was that and the bite mark are all of the evidence that they have for this. For this yeah, case. and and I guess the argument that he used to date the mother, but yes. I mean, as we've as we've mentioned, it's that house is easy to access. There's like not even windows in some of the window holes. Right. Um, so, all right. So Levon. After this false testimony is is given um, and taken as fact, it's used to bring Levon in. Uh, and this, I kind of just wrote, okay, here we go with Levon's story in my notes. So he gets called for questioning and he has no fucking idea what anyone's talking about. Um, and he has an alibi. He's at the club. <laughs> yeah, he's actually a security, I think. Guy yes, yes, he's at the club. And they say, well, the window that she could have been killed is like, all the way from 12 to three. And I guess he left at one. So therefore they're like, oh, he must've wow. killed her between one and three. And their timeline jumps around a lot to suit them. Um, and Uncle Bucky, when Uncle Bucky is talking to Ashley, it's super ironic because one of the ways he coaxes her into saying what she says is he says, we wouldn't want to arrest the wrong person. And it's like, but that's the whole goal is to arrest the wrong person. But in his mind, that's the right person because that's who he wants it to be. So it's just right. very twisted. Yeah, trying to fabricate everything to where he thinks it should go. Kind of thing. Right, and, and just assume that that's going to hold water because it has, frankly, it has for like, what, 100 years? Yes, yeah. They've been doing this for 90 years. They've been doing this, this tactic. Um, so they trick him into coming in and then they lock him up. They're like, you'll get to go home. You know, they do that whole thing. Um, Levon, I just mentioned here, what are your thoughts on Levon other than the fact that he clearly didn't, did not do this nor deserve this? Like, Yeah, I thought he was actually very, um, you know, very reasonable, um, explained himself well. Um, I thought he gave, you know, good, good answers to all of their questions that he had at least. And then, you know, honestly – complied with everything very well yeah he did he did um, also it, in almost like a child that's what kind of what i my yeah. impression of him was that not that he was not smart but that his demeanor is really childlike and he more than being angry he was just baffled he was like i know yeah, which, i know yeah, i didn't do it i, be, I know yeah. i didn't do it you know yeah which made it sadder <laughs> made it even yeah, more sad yeah. and there's nothing he could do. Yeah. No, and he's an easy victim, and we see this a lot, like Brendan Dassey again in Making right. a Murderer. It's like 
people with lower IQs or, or just processing issues or whatever are people with certain type of temperaments are taken advantage of. And a lot of times it's a child um, also. Right. So this is two for one. They, they do it to Levon and they do it to Ashley. Um, I just felt like this first episode gave a lot of screen time to these prosecutors, police, and this boss guy defending, defending what happened. Um, it's just like, Right. I don't want I don't want to hear it from you because I already know you're completely wrong and it's not convincing anybody of anything. So I'm not really sure why they got that much of a feature, but whatever. Um Oh, we should talk about the uh this the the juror that actually knew Levon. This is um, probably the thing I had the most fight with myself about. I'm like uh-huh. to me, um I was always under the impression that you're the the juror is supposed to be completely impartial. Yeah. Um, have no ties. Now, that being said, um, this guy was actually very friendly with Levon. So despite what maybe the prosecuting attorney might think that, oh, he's just going to vote for him because uh, he's black and that's the way it's going to go. You know, that guy was actually probably on Levon's side more than anything. He was, but he wasn't. Like, uh, he seems like he wasn't. At the end of the day, he wasn't. He was the foreman. And he handed down the guilty verdict. He didn't, you know, and he didn't mention, like, I fought for him or anything. He was just sort of like, oh, I hoped he'd been, a, I, I wish he hadn't have been a shithead. Like, guess he is. Instead of being like, no, I actually know him. He's not a, a violent person. Yeah. And his history is like problematic too, because True. the way that this person, this juror, his name is Boz, and he's probably mid fifties, sixties, I don't know, but older than that. But he was, at the time he ended up on the jury, despite the fact that he knew Levon well, because Levon's family worked in boss's cotton fields yeah ugh yeah, i mean so come on that's the so, thing i probably took the most uh exception to is you know this could be easily avoided for one like don't have them on the jury or if the town's too small and everyone knows each other this is why you try cases in different counties yeah seriously and i mean there's no no one's gonna watch this and be like, oh, wow, I can't believe that ever happened. I mean, the, the justice system is very fucked up when we know that. And I talked about yeah. that a lot in my last episode with Jackie, because we, interestingly enough, uh, both shows touched on death row, which mm-hmm. we'll, you know, we end up talking about here. But so yeah, the, the first episode goes on pretty long. <laughs> like it felt long to me. I don't know about you. Yeah, it definitely did. It was definitely setting up, you know, setting up the arc right it's kind of bringing it to the its culmination and then yeah the episode really talks about how they the innocence project starts to unravel all that stuff so yeah um i felt really sad because levon's biggest concern is his mom yeah that was i was just about to touch on that i almost felt more sad for his 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 mom than than maybe even for him i mean she was yeah. She was crushed, and she was really looking to her faith to justify it and, and give oh, hope. Oh, yeah. Oh, happen. my God. And when he gets out at the end, oh, the family, yeah. at the end of the episode, too, spoiler alert, they do get out, but that's kind of the whole point of the show. So yeah. I think that's obvious just from the fact that they're interviewing. <laughs> yeah. They're not, I mean, it'd be horrible if they're like, and they're still in prison. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but, yeah, the mom was elated. I mean, absolutely overcome with emotion. He was very, Yeah. And she never gave up, never gave up hope. He's very powerful, yeah. 
Yes, it is, especially given the culture there and the fact that it's like yeah. so many men are in prison for not doing what they are convicted of, and women, but in this issue, in this uh, particular episode, we are focusing on male victims. So I also want to point out about the boss. Sorry, my nose is running. Um, the boss, the juror, his, his way of justifying um, not only... Uh, voting guilty but being the foreman that gets to read that out loud um he says well it's it's all about ashley she was convinced that it was him but he also says i think the da just wanted to be right it's like so if you're aware of that then what Ugh. like he just played the game basically because he's like well i'm a white guy i gotta play the game um he's definitely a racist he'd say he's not but the way he speaks gives him away you know mm-hmm He'd be like, but I like LaVon as a person. It's like, that does not mean you're not racist. <laughs> and as far as Ashley goes, I feel so bad for her. She was right. five and all this got pinned on her. And you yeah. can see when she talks in the talking she head. She doesn't even remember all of it either. So. Oh, she feels awful. And it's not her fault, but she, yeah. No. No, she even states, and she, correctly so, that, you know, this should not have fallen on the shoulders of a five-year-old. No, it, not only this false conviction, but I mean, she's dealing with her sister dying, being kidnapped, and she's probably scared shitless. And she doesn't really know who took her, is not, I'm sure, isn't convinced it's Levon because her brain knows that she didn't see that. So, right. Yeah. Anyways, he um, he gets convicted, uh, and at his sentencing trial, there's like tons of friends and family that get up to speak for him. Um, this is where. Larry and I are talking about where it gets really sad because Levon's mom wanted to get up on the stand, but Levon just like was like, I can't let her do that, you know? He's like, that's just too sad for her. So she didn't. Um, he does not get the death penalty. He gets life imprisoned at Mississippi State Prison, which the, the footage of was terrifying to me. <laughs> it was like a chain gang. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. With those jumpsuits and I just, it's hard to imagine, even if you're guilty going into that, like this is your new life, but to be innocent and to suddenly. Yeah. And so young. So, I mean, his, his you're, yeah. You're, any he opportunity that is over kind of thing. Yeah. He ended up serving, um, let's see, I have it on my right here. I think he served 18 years. Right. And Levon, I mean, sorry, Levon served 18 years and, um, the next person uh, that we'll be talking about, uh, Kenny, um, yeah, um, served 15 years. Kennedy, who, who also goes by Kenny. Yeah, so, probably. yes. So um, this is kind of where I stopped and was like, I didn't need you to spend an hour explaining everything we've already just talked about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I didn't understand. I did not know the format yet. I, did, I thought the end of the episode was going to be like, the part about the innocence project getting involved but it wasn't they so stre- no yeah they stretched it out so knowing that it's like okay this is like a very info research heavy show it's not your snapped it's not your um uh wow i watch all these shows and i can't think the name of one <laughs> it's not like uh 2020 where it's you know just a, a one one and done this is a series and like i was saying earlier it kind of reminds me of a serial podcast or any any other serialized podcast where they kind of follow a case or follow a situation um, from beginning to end instead of tying it up neatly 
and presenting it in a right. compact way. So yeah. that's good. I mean, that makes it more of a legitimate documentary for sure to me um, and, and less sensational, more factual. It's just um, if you're taking notes on it, it's <laughs> going to have a lot of notes. That's all I'm saying. They definitely feed you a lot of information. Yes. Multiple times. So, yeah. yes. Yeah, that's the thing. That was my pet peeve is it was, it was repetitive. And I was like, right. I get it. And I also have a rewind button. Like they just, the, the bite mark shit, which I feel like I haven't even gotten into, was constant. <laughs> right. So any, we'll get into that. Okay. So apparently Levon had another trial, but they brought back the bite mark evidence and didn't allow um, really any new evidence for the defense. So it was a really pointless endeavor. He just got put back in. Um, and that's when there's another, unfortunately, there's another murdered girl who shows up in the same place. And her name uh, was Christina Jackson. Uh, she was also under five. I don't believe they stated her age, but I'm guessing she was around three. Um, and I wrote here, I'm really tired of hearing Forrest justify himself. So first their attitude is, oh, um, it can't be, they're trying to justify like, okay, clearly this looks like exact same crime, but we already have Levon locked up. Um, so this must be a copycat, which is crazy. Like right. that's the, the likelihood of that versus the likelihood that one person committed both crimes is, is laughable. But he's in charge. He's a big, strong white dude. And he's like, you know, it's a copycat. Somebody read about it, which I don't feel like there were a lot of copycat murderers in that area in 1992, but that's just me. Um, especially considering that it wasn't a serial murderer that he would have been copycatting. Right. He's, yeah, the person who actually did it was a serial murderer, but Levon, they've only gotten him for one thing. And they, now it's, there's proof that he didn't kill this next girl. They definitely leaned heavily into the fact that they didn't make a mistake and that it was yes. going to... Well, and again, making a murderer, it was like the guy who framed his own framing and was like, look, it's sketch. Like, it's real. It's so similar to that guy creating a sketch of a guy who we already knew he was looking for is very right. similar to the way that this this quack West, uh, Mike West, is obsessed with what he believes are bite marks and takes molds of all these teeth, picks the one from the guy he, he feels is guilty, and we actually see him implanting it into the skin and wiggling it around to make an impression. Right, on the cadaver, which is... On the cadaver, which, you know, is dead. And we find out later that... Well, I'll, uh, I won't spoil it, but um, but it's a big spoiler. It's a big reveal, actually. That's kind of my favorite part of this whole thing is when the the bite marks get debunked. It's just like, yeah, thank you. I, even early on, I kind of was looking for more um, information. Oh, on the, yeah. Like, to me, it almost seemed like they were only, yeah, we know they took molds of a lot of different people, mm -hmm. but how many of those molds would follow similarly, you know, correlating patterns like well, they don't really and, and that a whole lot when you bite if someone bites down like if you bite an apple and you look at it you don't just see a clean tooth print yeah. you see part of the apple's missing and there's some scraping around yeah. it it's not like a fingerprint where you know uh, it's there it's partial or not it's 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 it can move you're with your teeth you're manipulating the flesh yeah so but unfortunately, I, yeah. the, both the public's perception and the Ugh. government's was that it, it was very... It's such a buzzword, right? And now it's DNA, and thankfully DNA is not bullshit. But like, 
Yeah, well, it, it it it's kind of like the same vein, though, right? It's like right. The they were time, like, "Oh, now we have it." It's like, but the then time, again, that was their DNA. Yeah. Yeah. If someone was bitten, and in Ted Bundy's case, it, it I don't know. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that they found a definitive match to Ken, to Ken, uh, I almost said Kennedy uh, Bundy? to Bundy. Yeah, it kind of makes <laughs> you think about that too. It's like right. Well, it's yeah. just it's just lucky because he really was guilty and he did confess. So we don't have to worry about that. We know he was a fucking psychopath and he was doing like, you look at him in court. He's smiling. Um, like, so that's kind of like no harm, no foul. Right. But, but but when you, yeah, yeah, but even this guy, uh, Dr. Suveron, who we are introduced to, who is also a forensic odontologist. Um, he worked on, he's the one who did the Ted Bundy case and he's very proud of it, <laughs> which yeah. I guess is like cool. And he keeps the t- tooth mold and that's the mold he uses for his experiments, which I think is awesome. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. I just think it's great because for experimental purposes, yeah, it's experiment with teeth, like s- learn more, learn yeah. more before you just exactly. like Suveron is the good example of what to do. He, and yeah. he's the one who tells us you would never directly compare a mold onto an actual injury on a cadaver he, he nails that yeah and so what, he's, was the, what was his quote that he said he said uh you know it's kind of ironic that the thing that took bundy down is actually yeah. proving the science yeah oh yeah with using bundy's teeth he's like thanks bundy for helping us solve crime <laughs> so, and then everyone teeth. everyone he uses it on it's like hey you can say you've been bit by ted bundy kind yeah of i have to say larry have you ever been bit like as an adult um not by a person definitely by like a dog before yes it's really bad i've had biter clients and man it's like they stick on it's like a succubus if they're mad yeah um and it hurts so when i he was biting that woman i was like oh why are you doing that to her like i hope she agreed to that (laughs) well yeah and she clearly was like oh god it's probably his wife you know she's like you know, everybody thinks you beat me, right? <laughs> but he does it here of all places. I think that's less sensitive maybe. But yeah. I got bit the worst time. Oh no, the worst time was the fingertip. Mm. I thought my fingertip was going to be bit off because they say the fingertip is, 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 is as easy to bite off as a carrot if you're determined. Wow. Okay. Good to know. And the thing is, I know how to do a bite release because I'm trained. So I know how to get a bite release without the patient or the client being hurt. But it's really, for the finger, it's, you can't really do that. So I had to, like, put my hand in her jaw. Just like, this was a three-year-old. Who could, like, by the way, I'm yeah. so off topic. But this girl was the Hulk. Dude, she was small, but she'd pick up the dining room chairs and just fucking throw them at me. <laughs> <laughs> she, not anymore, but, well, I don't know. But that, that stopped eventually. But anyways, being bitten hurts very bad. And I just wanted to say that as I was watching it. And knowing it was Ted Bundy's teeth, I had a pretty creeped out moment. But mm-hmm. that's powerful. And it made me interested again. Because I was just about to be like, I would turn this off if we weren't covering it. So <laughs> so uh, kudos to Dr. Souvenir, whose name I like also. Souvenir. So he gets brought in. Um, okay, I'm sorry. Just first, I have to say. Um, this tooth guy who I call Dr. West, the tooth guy, cause I kept forgetting his name is so corrupt and extremely arrogant, narcissistic. And he's watching the autopsy video with a scotch in his living room. What the fuck? Like, so many red flags. Can you imagine if I came home and Kyler's like watching autopsy footage, just kicking back with a scotch? Yeah. Kicking back with a Jack and Coke. That'd be it a makes, lot. it makes you think it's like almost sexual for him, which is just so creepy. Like he's so, 
obsessed with it that it's almost that it's uncomfortable to watch it feels like you're watching something you know not yeah. safe for work <laughs> yeah it's definitely entertainment for him yeah and he's off the deep end you know um so anyway back to poor poor christina jackson um she has been murdered she's found in the same creek and it's everything's really similar there's evidence um that she's been raped the only difference is that there's been a semen sample that's been saved thankfully in this rape kit that will come to play later um so police have no problem just decide doing the exact same thing they did the first time and saying oh well this little girl went missing it must have been the, the last guy her mom dated so that's how they find kennedy brewer who dated uh, or was dating i suppose christina's mother um we don't see christina's family nearly as much as we see uh no. courtney's family so there are some plot holes they're not plot holes but like there's less background uh, but i can understand them not wanting to participate because it's really awful um and for the wrong person to be convicted of killing your child for so long and then to, you'd have to go through it all over again finding out that it was somebody else um i just i can't imagine the trauma so anyway uh christina jackson again has what she has what they're saying are 19 bite marks on her and dr suveron points out he comes in because the defense is like fuck this crazy tooth guy is here again it's happening again um we need a real forensic odontologist who's legit and so they bring in suveron and he's very reputable because of the ted bundy thing and also he's just he's an actual doctor he has ethics yeah give that um, da credit um for actually asking the question in this case which where they did so the the this is the second um case where yeah, it's yeah. similar but in the first one they never had the thought to bring in a second right one. right well that wasn't the da that was the defense brought him in oh gotcha gotcha yeah, that exactly. and i i did not write down the defense lawyer's name but i really liked him he seemed he was the he was like the straight man the one he was the adult in all the madness like that's what i'm saying yeah give yeah. that guy credit that guy was great I felt really, yeah, I felt bad for him. So he really, yeah, he brought in Suveron. Sorry, I don't, I don't want to talk over you. You can yell at me if I do. She's just, Sarah, stop it. That's what my mom does. Um, just kidding. Hi, mom. Uh, so, def so defense hires Dr. Suveron, a forensic odontologist for their own side. Uh, tooth guy, AKA Mike West is furious because up until this point, Suveron was his idol. And now he's saying like, he's a quack because he doesn't agree with me. Uh, instead of th being like, oh, maybe I'm wrong because my idol, you know, the smart one disagrees, right. uh, which is a lot like um, Dr. Death. Did you listen to Dr. Death? No, I have not. Oh, okay. So I won't get into it, but it's all about, it's about a doctor who's, he, I'd, I'd say he's evil, but he's more, more delusional and incompetent. He doesn't, he's a surgeon, um, a spinal surgeon, and he ends up mortally injuring several people and finally he's taken to court and it still doesn't occur to him that he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing he's still defending himself like like he did like he it's really bizarre um and then until his superiors testify and they're like this is what he did wrong this is what he did this is what he did wrong and that's the first moment that he even notices or acknowledges that he might have might suck as a doctor so it's a lot like that um mike West has no self-awareness. He's just, he's always right. And if anybody disagrees with him, they suck. Um, yep. And he calls, calls him a whore. <laughs> that yeah. was a fun part. <laughs> so stupid. 
he blows up. So, um, so Suvaron blows up West's whole argument by saying, these aren't even fucking bite marks. There's only one set. Like, how do you bite someone with just the top of your teeth? And 19 right. times, he's like, I'll give you one, maybe. But 19 times and on the foot? How are you biting your arm teeth? You know? Yeah. Um, and so West's response is, uh, turns out, Suvaron is a witness having other reasonable explanations, a.k.a. whore. whore. <laughs> Which is like, AKA, that's what a defense is. Like, that's not even yeah. an insult. There are other reasonable explanations. How is that an insult? You're admitting that there's other possible, anyway. He's just crazy. Um, so essentially we, we realize, even though this doesn't get Kennedy, doesn't do Kennedy any favors, we know from the like 2020 hindsight, watching this episode, that West created the bite marks with the mold he took from the suspect. And I wrote, well, no wonder it fit. <laughs> he made it, right? Um, this is why direct comparison is unreliable, because you, uh, you disturb the evidence when you put something on top of it like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and West says that Kennedy, uh, this is so stupid. Like, this is just another more evidence of how incompetent West is. He says, Kennedy killed her within an hour of her death. <laughs> When else is he going to kill her? <laughs> and then he said, right, indeed and without doubt again. Yeah, indeed and without doubt. Kennedy killed her within an hour of her death. <laughs> Not earlier. He didn't kill her after she was dead. It yeah. was while she was dying. Thanks for clarifying, Dr. Quack. Okay, so that's pretty much the end of episode one. And you're just, and it's like, Kennedy's found guilty and he goes to death row, but he writes to the Innocence Project and he's like, look, the fuck like can you please help me yeah and the innocence project was founded at this time i think it said in 1992 um and the formation of the innocence project um was in a response in response to struggles like this cases like this um and they're so aware that in mississippi there's just so many unlawful incarcerations i had to do these notes on paper that's why i'm looking down okay I like the heart paper yeah it's <laughs> I had this in my kitchen drawer. I was like, well, it's kind of like flashcards, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So in episode two, I love episode two. I will say that. It went by way quicker for me. Freaking yeah. love. I love the Innocence Project dudes. And I love Vanessa, the lawyer. And as soon as she came on screen, I was like, Larry's going to have a crush on Vanessa. Did you, have, <laughs> did you like Vanessa, the lawyer? I like Vanessa. She was very, very to the point. Very, you know, very articulate. <laughs> Yeah. Does she does she Matt does she um, meet your Padma standards? My oh my Padma standards. I would I would agree. She was she would definitely meet my Padma. <gasps> oh, I knew it. You love her. Okay. So Vanessa is the lawyer, or she handles the, the Innocence Project case for Kennedy. So we're we're focused in on Kennedy. And again, Kennedy is the second person we, we were talking about who got arrested uh, for uh, allegedly murdering and. Uh, assaulting and biting 19 times this young girl um oh my god i'm so i'm such a bad person what was her name Cor uh, not courtney jackson. um uh, christina jackson jackson sorry i'm sorry sorry christina okay it's just so similar to courtney um so she gets you know they get the information from kennedy they look at the the bite mark evidence and they're like you know, compare it to what Suvaron brought forth. 
And the biggest thing is that they are able to run DNA. Again, this is not right after the fact. This is um, 2005. So he has spent 10 years on death row. And before that, I think the crime occurred in 1990. Oh, okay, 1994. Yeah, so 10 years ago is when this happened. So he's been on death row for 10 years. And I can you imagine? Can you even yeah. fathom? I mean, he has his own room, which seems nice. Like, it kind of looked like like a like a dorm room, like a really small dorm room. Yeah, they were actually, you know, he was able to have a television, I think. Yeah, right? yeah. But he wasn't like, okay, I guess I'll live here. He was like, I didn't know. Like, this is not acceptable and good for him. So I'm, you know, good for him for writing to the Innocence Project, um, even though, you know, it took, again, that 1% number that we hear. It took till, it took till tw- two, 2005, I can talk. Um, but the good part of it being at that time is, you know, there's more scientific knowledge, tons of more scientific knowledge. For instance, the bite marks, what made those bite marks, Larry? Crawfish. Crawfish, fucking crawfish. Suck on it, Wes. Like, seriously? This whole time, it was crawfish. Um, and they were post-mortem bites, too, which also should have been caught. Because it was never mentioned that either Kennedy or Levon was were biting their victims after they killed them. And not only that, but their method of killing, the method of killing was, I believe, drowning, right? Did they say that they strangled them? I'm not sure if they ever describe the actual I don't think they said at all but um yeah I'm not gonna read the quote again but they do describe like him her being attacked yeah but they don't um, I don't think they got they got into the nitty-gritty for that no they just obsess over the bite marks I do I think there was probably water in their lungs um because they're little babies they don't know how to they're two two or three years old and they're thrown in a moving creek in the middle of the night after being raped like I you know so Yes. So the crawfish are biting at them, um, you know, because they're flesh and nobody bit anybody. The end. And you'd think it would be the end, right? So finally, they're like, okay, we can re- reinvestigate links to other crimes. And that's when Levon gets brought back into the mix. Um, and the Innocence Project is people, uh, I think it's Peter, is saying, obviously, Levon didn't kill either of these girls because one person killed both of these girls. And we, we know it wasn't Kennedy either. So because they run the DNA and they find that there's no DNA evidence for Kennedy. Um, it's somebody else's DNA that was found inside of. Correct. Or Christina, Christine, Christina. Okay. Um, Larry, talk to me about the art, the art that Levon makes. When he's in jail, do you remember oh, that? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, it's it's yeah, it's still like you're saying. It's very you know very childlike, but it's actually very good. I thought he was talented, um, but yeah. yeah, childlike images, but very good drawing. And it yeah. was like he was fa- just he was just like this is my life now. He was so resigned when they talked when he talked about this time in his life. Yeah, I um, kind of forgot, I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, you're right. It was very well done. Um, it's cheerful. His art is cheerful, which is surprising. Positive. Yeah, it's like butterflies and despite I mean, his situation. Yeah, yeah, and you can see that he's sort of he's an insular person, and that's probably what's keeping him going. He's right. not an extrovert. He's he's an introvert, and I I've heard people say before, like that that helped him in you know whatever rehabilitation or prison. You know, being 
or being even in solitary confinement, being an introvert and having like that ability to escape into, into yourself. I feel like that that's what happened for Levon mm-hmm. for, for 15, 18 years. Um, and I just wrote, I won't, it's, this isn't accurate because he's still living his life. He's out now, but like what his life could have been was wasted. And that's I just, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, sadly there's no DNA that was saved from Courtney's rape kit. So Levon has the DNA exoneration, um, even though Forrest and Quacky Quack are saying, that don't mean he didn't have anything to do with it. And it's like, yes, it does, actually. You have no reason to believe he bit them anymore. Um, so we still have to deal with this stupid um, eyewitness testimony in Levon's case from Ashley. Ashley is not stupid. It's just stupid that they used that right. as evidence. Um, and we go back to talking about Uncle Bunky. And I wrote, Uncle Bunky strikes again. And we hear him coercing. We hear more of him coercing Ashley. And we hear just how nonsensical the conversation is. It's, it's a conversation you have with a five-year-old. It, it's, they're making things up. You have to ask, oh, is that true? Or did, did that happen? Or are you imagining? Or are you guessing? Like, I have to say that to my kids all the time because their brains can go either way, especially yeah. when they're under duress and when they're stressed. So she's just imagining things. She's, she's making things up. She's saying, oh, he came in and he said, I'm going to take your sister. And Uncle Bunky laughs. He's like, oh, we know that's not what happened because it's, it's going away from what he wants it to be. He's such a yeah. creep. And I still don't understand how a child's, like a cable, t- cable TV child's show star can possibly be licensed to talk to children in a therapeutic setting. Ugh. Yeah. Anyways, um, I just wrote, she doesn't know. <laughs> like there, there was no eyewitness just because she was in the room. There was no eyewitness. She was asleep. She woke up and her sister was gone. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So this, I uh, already talked about um, the like, or, or it origins for how blacks are treated in Mississippi um, with, you know, slavery ending and all that. Um, it, and then they just show the footage and I just wrote, it's just so sad and the piano score did you were you aware of the piano music like towards the end of episode two it was just like really loud and really sad mm-hmm. yeah yeah no I, I i was even actually um gonna want to say something about the way that, not you know separate of all the content the way that this thing was filmed and, and right I took, I took notes on that too yeah also very very good so it was it was really well produced where did i write this down oh okay I wrote um, title series. It's good quality graphics. Um, do enjoy the violin. Uh, the font is on point. The only time the music bothered me was when the piano score got like really intense at this point where they're kind of watching um, Levon after talking about how blacks have been, you know, just yeah. oppressed for a century. Well, for centuries, but even as free blacks, quote unquote, they've been oppressed. Um, and yeah, it was good quality. I agree with you. It wasn't, um, the only, the only issue I had was with it was pacing. Um, so there's complete, so we go back to the original investigator and he again is just very resigned. He denies that he was wrong, but he does, he doesn't deny that he was wrong, but he just sort of like stands by what happened. Um, and he admits that no alternatives were accounted for. He's like, I didn't look for alternatives. And that's when we find out where they should have been looking. That's the problem, yeah. So, 
he should have been looking right in front of them. <laughs> yeah, because he was on the he was on the list, right? The list. On the list, yes. This a man named Justin Albert Johnson was on the list of suspects originally, because he had previously been convicted of home of home invasion and sexual assault twice in the same year. Yeah. That uh, or by the time that Courtney was abducted, he had been convicted of that twice. He had not been convicted of murder, but as we all know criminals escalate their behavior and criminals once they're caught for something they realize oh i need to get rid of the witness and then i won't get caught like that's how those brains work it's not your your mom's boyfriend just randomly coming in and taking you most of the time right it's somebody it's calculated um so this is horrifying the investigation the investigators lazy just decided not just decided not to literally they what happened is um they brought, they did bring Johnston in. All he had to say was, but I didn't do it. Don't know what you're talking about. And they just let him go. Yeah. They had their blinders on, right? And they, they yeah. wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. They had a narrative. Exactly. They had a narrative. And so he um, didn't admit, and so he was out, but. And then when they confront the investigator about this, the original investigator, he's like, well, that was the DA's fault. It's like, so he's just like passing the buck. And again, right. I don't, I don't know his story. I feel like there's a lot more to his story that we're not hearing. Yeah, they didn't touch um, on him a whole lot after the very no. beginning of episode one. No. So. No. Okay, so in 2007, Kennedy gets a retrial. Kennedy being the person the who... Second person. The second yeah. person whose DNA did not match the DNA sample. And guess who it matched? Johnston. Yes, that's right. Uh, DNA is finally fucking linked to Johnston. Again, this is in 2008 the crime no and the crime was in 1992 also not that long ago relatively speaking right but the the time between 1992 and 2008 i was four in 1992 and i was 20 in 2008 like that's that's a big chunk of your life it's true 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 yeah yeah um and big chunk of those two men's lives yeah yeah Yes, um, and he confesses. So they they're like, "Hey, bud, got your semen. You want to talk?" And he confesses, and he claims that he, the drugs made him do it, which is whatever. voices in his head, right? Voices yeah. in his head, except that he was very careful and calculated. And we know that people who are at a psychotic break generally don't hide the evidence of their crime um, because they are in psychosis, so they do not know the difference between right and wrong. This person clearly is not insane knows the difference between right and wrong. And that's why he hid both girls. And he says himself, I had to get rid of her. So he says his version of, you know, his excuse is, damn demons in my head telling me what to do to hurt the little girl. And it's like, okay, so, okay, we got that. We got it. He goes in or he gets, you know, pleased to that crime, gets whatever. They don't tell us what his sentence is, but he's already in jail for other crimes. So (laughs) there he shall remain. Um, and then it's like, well, fuck, what about LaVon, right? LaVon's case, this, uh, he's, con- he's convicted for killing, um, oh, and I have to say, thank God, um, thank God for Kennedy getting um, exonerated so definitively because he was on death row. He would have been killed for yes, nothing, which right. is one of the many reasons I do not believe in the death penalty personally. Um, I know that other people do, and I respect that, and I, I would 
love to have a dialogue about it, but I'm not a fan. Um, so what about LaVon? Okay, so the police interviews Johnston again, and he denies hurting Courtney. He says, I didn't hurt anybody else at first. And, and you, you hear the footage, and you're like, I mean, I don't know. How did you f feel at that point? What were you thinking? Yeah, it seemed, to me, it almost seemed, again, like a little bit of like, hey, come on, just admit to this. Like, really kind of. It was. A little coercive. It was. It was. Um, but. And he didn't feed him the line that we yeah, could hear. At the end, it's like, hey, man, you're already, you're already done. So there's no sense in, in hiding this anymore. Right. And you'll feel good after you. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's more prompting than it is coercing. I, and I, I was kind of thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, I can. Like a therapist probably, would, you know. Yeah, that seems okay. But yeah, so then after that, he ends up admitting to the first crime as well. So With details, details, right? Yeah, he, he gives details. He yeah. knows exactly what they're talking about. And, yeah, and the biggest and they, one. That, oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um, the biggest one that bothered me was um, they said, well, how did you access the girl? And he said, well, I just reached into the window. And, you know, that was yeah. kind of the point for the prosecution early on was that no one could have accessed her unless they were already inside the house. Yeah, which was an insane argument when you see that house, at least the first one. I don't know about Christina's house, but. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he admits to killing Courtney, and he even says, this is the wildest thing about the quote-unquote bite marks. He says, I was, this is the man who really killed him. I was so confused about bite mark evidence because of course he's known that these other two men have gone down for his crimes. Mm -hmm. He's like, because I didn't bite nobody. So when they pulled them out of the water, I, I was like, did somebody go in the water and bite them after I killed them? <laughs> like yeah, he's, he's really baffled yeah. because it's the crawfish. And it's just like, oh my goodness. Even he's like, huh, like yeah. this horrible murderer. <laughs> so now bite marks, not so reliable. Um, right. Johnson didn't bite anybody. No one bit anybody. Um, so on February 15th, 2008, LaVon has served 18 years and Kennedy has, yeah, that's Kennedy, right? Yeah. Has served 15 years. Okay. Right. Fuck. Like that's a lot. So they have a joint hearing, which I kind of like because it's like, they didn't separate them to try and yeah. make anybody more vulnerable it seemed really straightforward like you okay if we're doing this together you must be deciding to let them both go right um so yeah uh johnston has been con or convicted of those these murders so it's sort of like open and shut open and shut that's the phrase i was trying to think of earlier it only took go. me an hour <laughs> um and they are set free and the, we just see a lot of footage of the courtroom, and I think that's great. I think it's really awesome that there is so much real footage, and this is not just, like, reenactments and talking heads. Yes, I uh, agree. Uh, it makes it a lot more real. Um, and like you said, you do get hooked. I mean, by the when it fed into episode two, I was like, oh, we're rolling now. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. We got people. We have accountable people talking to us now. Like, not just exactly. crazy people uh, and the victims. So... So I, oh no, wait, there's, sorry, there's one more note. Okay. So what we learned from this is, uh, A, bite mark evidence is usually not admissible now because it's, it's pseudoscience. And B, the, we find out that the Innocence Project takes this experience and it starts prioritizing all these convictions that were of other people that were made with bite mark evidence. And so yeah. 
we feed into what we know the third episode is going to be another individual who was arrested solely based on bite mark evidence. So now the Innocence Project is like, okay, we see now there's an error in so many cases. Let's go in and fix them one by one. Yeah, they're triaging all of their stuff. Now. Yes, yeah, which is like, oh, it's so great that they know, but it must be overwhelming to be like, that's a lot of fucking cases. <laughs> like, I think they're overwhelmed regardless, unfortunately. Yes, that's true. But I like that they all have a lot of conviction, you know, the people that are speaking. They, they, they do. don't speak yeah. ill of anybody. They're just very matter of fact. And they're like, this is really f- important. And we have, to, we have to focus on the truth now. Like, we have to clear up, change, the, pivot the direction that this state specifically has been going in. Yeah. And they're, they're asking the right questions that should have mm-hmm. been asked from the start. And they're doing the work that should have been done from the start. So, so yeah. Yes, but at least they're getting there. Yeah, you know, it's it's hopeful. It's like you, I pivot between hopeful and like depleted, (laughs) especially right now because uh, you know the country really is up in arms. Um, Edge, yeah. I obviously support Black Lives Matter. I'm assuming you do too. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, this whole thing is very like eye-opening. Yeah. For for someone who's like. Who, you know, I've always lived in California. I've always right. lived in the suburbs. I don't, you know, I don't get exposed to this kind of stuff right. a lot. So yeah. It's good to see. It's good to know what's actually happening. Um, right. And to be outraged by it, to be appropriately outraged by it. Yeah. And to ask, be asking the same questions that, you know, the Innocence Project people are asking. It's like, hey, how can you not think of this? Or how can you not think of yeah. this? You know? And like I said before, what bothered me the most is how much screen time was given to these dickheads who who wanted their, you know, who wanted to give their excuses. It's like, yes. I, nobody cares. Like, you're wrong. It really doesn't matter if you don't believe it at this point. Like, yeah, go I, away. I, I thought it was nice, though, that they, they did um, give them that way. They're they're not, you know, as biased onto... I mean, it is the right point of view. I don't know. If it's, it's slippery slope to say kind of say that kind of thing, but they they need to show both sides. And I think that's important. Yes. That no, I, I agree with you, but I just like, it felt almost like they show both sides, but they're giving the bully like a lot of, a lot of stage time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. True. But again, it's a, it's a evolving series and that might be really important as we continue watching. So there, therein lies my question. Do we keep watching? I'm very interested. Yeah. Yeah. As individuals, I mean, you don't have to record a podcast with me for every episode. <laughs> I'll probably will. I'll probably follow this thing through. Yeah. Yeah. Want to see where it goes. I think, yeah, it's valuable, especially for right now. And of course, uh, Netflix has probably been working on it for a while, but it happens to be very timely. Um, so I recommend it, especially if you're like me and you feel like you really care about all these issues, but you don't know where to start involving yourself in them because you, I personally don't want to go on Facebook and be like, I'm with you because I've, I've never experienced, I say I'm behind you. Like I'll, I'll support this, but I would never say that I'm with you because I've never experienced it. But the more that I, um, but again, I'm in full support. I just want to <laughs> reiterate that. Yeah. But the more that I ingest media like this, that is, is hard to stomach sometimes, but that is honest and indicates, you know, how did things go wrong? What things are still going wrong? Who's working to change them and how can I help? It, it just start, it clarifies things for me in a way that it's like, okay, I can break it down and I'm not too overwhelmed to put my, you know, my voice into the mix. So 
Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think it's it's good for, you know, no matter what your upbringing and where your background is to mm-hmm. sort of remove your, your personal blinders and kind of see what's going on elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, don't be Mike West, never be Mike West in your whole life. That's the last person you want to be. Yeah, it's not a good time to be an odontologist right now. I so. feel like he spends way too much time in a morgue for somebody who studies teeth. And it's just, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I feel he like had, he has like a cot or he's like sleeps in there sometimes. He had a lot of different titles as he liked to. to he tell. did. He, Cause he's a pseudoscientist. He's the type of person who's like, I know how to do that. I invented it. I'm smart. I decided I know how to do this today. Let's Jack do it. Like, which is also childish. Brain. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and they kind of just come down on him. And the last we hear from him in the second episode is just like, well, these people are just not facing the truth. And it's like, okay, <laughs> bye. safe drive safe drive home i guess um so he's really annoying but ultimately he's made he's neutralized because it's decided that this evidence so this is quite a precedent precedent this case sets for for tooth mark evidence which is also valuable and another thing that i learned because i knew that in current times bite mark evidence is not admissible but i did not know the, the history behind that so now I have learned that as well. It's very good. Yeah. Oh, a lot of learning today. <laughs> and I definitely, you know, tout the, uh, the innocence project. I think they're a good cause. To yes. Play. Yes. And a good, I, that's where I've been donating when I feel like I need to donate to something for this cause or just for the entire fucked upness to, of today. <laughs> yeah. I've, and there's a lot of places to donate, you know, but I, I donated 20 bucks and I did like the fundraiser to, on Facebook, you know, to raise 200 or whatever, which is not a big deal, but at least I'm funneling my energy every, into something Every little productive. bit counts. Every little yeah. bit counts. It is a big deal. Every little bit counts. Oh, thanks, Larry. It's true. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm definitely going to take this thing to its culmination. I, I got very interested early right. on. Maybe we can do like a mini update after we both yeah. watch, finish the series. and It'll just be like a little mini episode. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah, let's do a follow-up for our for my my yeah. hypothetical fans. Because <laughs> I, yeah, okay. I haven't released anything yet. I'm just banking some episodes, but nice. I'm I'm acting like I have fans, you know. It's like you the do. secret. Imagine it and it'll be true. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and then, I mean, and second, thanks for asking me to do it. It's been very fun. Oh good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being flexible with me. I was yesterday I was like oh, <laughs> on my knees at my phone texting and I'm like I don't think I can do it. <laughs> um, no and I was like, I think it'll be okay. And Kyler's like, yeah, I think Larry will be okay. <laughs> totally you know fine. how I get worried. I, I worry, but, um, yeah. but anyways, la- next time we talk, I'll be less vertigo-y. Um, so yeah, we will uh, update to come and thank you everybody for listening. And we will talk to you next time. And, and okay, I'm going to do that again. Thank you everyone for listening and thank you, Larry, for being such a wonderful guest. Larry, if you want, I don't know if you're a very big social media dude, but you can plug something if you want. Sure. Well, uh, if you like Sarah's intro music, um, I yeah. do have Instagram, SoundCloud, Twitter. It's all dyadic sound. Great. So you can find me there on all platforms. Excellent. Excellent. Perfect. Okay. Thanks, Larry, for being on. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, sorry that there were two brutal episodes in a row. Promise I'll do something funny soon, probably with my sister. So 
Stay tuned. Keep learning. Bye.